0: Welcome to One Weird Trick, a podcast giving advice for better living. Your hosts, Aaron and Cecily, have zero legal, medical, or psychological qualifications to give advice. Please consider any advice you receive from them as being from well meaning, but human and imperfect friends. Please consult actual professionals for any serious legal, medical, or mental help you may need. And now, here's Cecily and Aaron. Welcome back to One Weird Trick. We've got a great show for you today. First, we're going to talk about the sexual meta-ethics of Groundhog's Day and this season's Curb Your Enthusiasm Mm -hmm. by Larry David on HBO. Work through some complicated feelings about the deaths of celebrities. We're also going to look at some of the Cardi B reactions we got from the Battle of the Flexes episode last Mm -hmm. time. And of course, we'll be offering some advice on some weird tricks to live happier, healthier lives. But first, I want to talk about this uh, kind of sexual meta ethics because um, I watched Groundhog Day or Groundhog Day, the movie, the Bill Murray movie, uh, a couple of weeks ago to prep for the Marath charity marathon we did. And on that same day I watched it, you started watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I was kind of amazed at how some of these uh, topics dove- dovetailed because I know that there's a lot of guys out there. You know, um, one of the reactions to the Me Too movement is like, Mm. gee whiz, you can't compliment women
1: anymore. You can't,
0: uh, you know, like, what are the rules? What are the limits? And I thought that there's...
1: Season 10 of Curb Your Enthusiasm just started. The
0: current one, yeah.
1: So, yeah, I think that's Larry David's kind of thing, too.
0: Yeah. So I thought it would be like, there's some case studies here I'd like to consider to kind of illuminate, you know, what the issue is and to help guys. Because, you know, people are like, what are the new rules? Well, I'm here to tell you. Uh, so in this uh, new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, I haven't seen the latest episode, but I saw the first two. Uh, Larry's got a new assistant mm. and she's young. She's attractive. She's bright. Uh, she has a conspicuous tattoo that he comments on as, in her his first meeting and he comments on her tattoo and he wants to know about it and she kind of defers and it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's kind of, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's just something for me. He's like, oh, no, no, I, wa- I want to hear about this tattoo and... She starts to become visibly uncomfortable. It's like it's it's literally it just has a personal meaning. It's a remembrance of something very pr- deeply personal in my life. And he's like, oh well, if you if you wanted to be private, why don't you put it on someplace private on your body, like where your ass? You- yeah, like your ass, where <laughs> only you can see it. And now she's like, full on, what the hell is this guy's problem? Larry, from his perspective, is just having like an intellectually stimulating word game with this person. Uh It doesn't register on him, nor does I think he really care that he's making her feel progressively more and more uncomfortable. And
1: then he takes his glasses off and cleans his glasses with her shirt sleeve.
0: Does that actually happen? Oh, shit. Uh, Because I remember him like at at some point um, being in her personal space and making her feel Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Um, But in the same episode, he also uh, comes across a waitress, also young, attractive woman, um and he's following her around at a party because she's got the plates of pigs in a blanket and he wants a pig in a blanket and he never can get a pig a pig in a blanket and he's staring at her and stalking at her through her own part like trying to get a pig in the blanket he does this for at the whole night and he finally gets fed up with the waiting notices her going into the kitchen follows her into there where she's alone she whirls on him and uh tells him that he's creepy that he's been stalking her all night uh, and when he tries to get away, she tries to get away, she he lunges at her, and I, I can't remember if he's going for uh, the pigs in a blanket that she's trying to get away with or he's trying to physically block her from leaving because he wants to explain himself. <laughs> yeah, either way, he accidentally ends up grabbing her boob. Uh, then the waitress calls Larry's office to speak to him about this incident, you know, to confront him. and he ta- and sh- the 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 personal assistant answers and they start comparing notes. <laughs> Suddenly, Larry's dealing with a two-pronged Me Too accusation, mm-hmm. and his response when he finds that out about this is like, what? What? I didn't do anything. Uh, and then, of course, you know, early that night, I watched Groundhog Day, and I was fascinated because I, I get something new every single time I've seen this, this movie. It's been like 25 times now. But like Bill Murray's first attempted seduction uh, arc of Andy McDowell. Uh, where he finally makes it to the stage in the evening where he's there alone in his bedroom at the bed and breakfast and she's comfortable and she clearly likes him. Uh, Seems like there'd be every indication she'd be willing to sleep with him. But from her perspective, she literally met him just yesterday and they work together and this is all moving a little too fast. So she tries to just like, you know, this is moving a little too fast for me and he keeps pushing and keeps pushing and you can see because Andy McDowell, I think is a good actress, Uh, Her affection is turning to annoyance and then to anger and finally all else failing uh, she slaps him which finally registers to no, and then it kicks off this whole montage of slapping of of, you know him uh, trying to get in her pants and her sussing out his uh, core insincerity and and rejecting him and I think that both of these are kind of humorous and easy to watch examples of like men getting in trouble despite themselves um, I mean Bill Murray in Groundhog's Day as Phil Connors is kind of a special case because at this stage in the film it's part of the plot that he thinks of all the people around him as like not even people they're just objects to gratify himself with he's there to rob them uh, sexually take advantage of them whatever because are they even real at this point Um but I think examining these scenes are really useful lenses to view, you know, these these interactions with because, you know, men get in trouble when they kind of object objectify women and don't think about them as people and how they relate to the world. Because um, from a female point of view, men are are larger, pound for pound, more physically imposing than women. Uh, and if you go around spending your evening staring at a woman, regardless of your intentions, you're going to put her on alert. Um I mean, not all women like there's some women I'm kind of amazed at, like, how some women just go about their life with some kind of fearless bravado. Like
1: there are people that exist that enjoy that, that enjoy, you know, the feeling like they're being looked at.
0: Yeah. The chase, the game. Um, So, again, not but like a a healthy majority Mm -hmm. to to the extent that you need to take their uh, feelings into account. uh, That makes them feel very uncomfortable. Um, And you know staring and following them around is going to make a woman feel unsafe i remember that this never really occurred to me um because i've just happened to be born into a body that's a fairly kind of large powerful male body uh and the fact that other human beings could make me feel in danger despite like any outward threat like it'd be one thing if like a guy is acting crazy like screaming and yelling on a corner or like visibly intoxicated or brandishing a gun or knife like I'd feel threatened then but like just uh you know someone following me 12 feet behind me down a street doesn't inherently make me feel unsafe Mm -hmm. but I started listening to women talk about their experiences and just kind of like you know without trying to be hashtag not all men just kind of listen to them talk and I started realizing like holy fuck what if I lived in a world that was exclusively populated with men that were built like Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal or Dwayne, the rock Johnson or Brock Lesnar. And half of them wanted to fuck me (laughs) at all times. And a significant portion of those who wanted to fuck me would think it's perfectly fine to stalk me for an entire evening, start following me at night. Uh, And those that did eventually proposition me, uh, some of them would act angry and hostile uh, if I turned them down. Like, I would move through that world a hell of a lot differently than I move through our actual world. And that's the reality of the world that women uh, move through. Again, I don't think that every woman relates to this kind of frame of reference. Just like, probably not every man can relate to my kind of uh, aura of physical invulnerability. But, you know, I mean, maybe two times a year, a guy will make me feel uncomfortable and unsafe because they're acting crazy or they're just hugely imposing and in a bad mood but what if it happened like multiple times a day or daily you know and i just wanted to make this point that's like you know larry's like i didn't do anything i didn't do anything he didn't get in trouble because he accidentally grabbed a woman's boob uh he didn't get in trouble because he accidentally violated his coworker's personal space although super dick move to use someone's clothes to clean your glasses <laughs> yeah. Uh, He got in trouble because he feels entitled to know the intimate details of a woman subordinates body and won't take no for an answer. Uh, He's getting in trouble for not accounting how women move through this world and the impact on how they feel about their own safety. Um, You know, and it's like I I've accidentally grabbed some boobs in my life. Uh, I I, I I when I was making my notes, for this, I was thinking like three distinct times where I remember accidentally grabbing a woman's boob two of them were like just laughed off immediately and we kind of went their separate ways i remember one where like the woman kind of reared back on me and shot me a look like you're on notice dude uh buddy pal friendo (laughs) i've got your fucking number and it kind of stung a little i mean i apologize oh i'm sorry but it it did kind of sting a little to like be thought of as like a threat like i'm not i'm not a bad guy Mm -hmm. um but I get it because men do kind of do this shit as an opening salvo of you know it's like it's like the it's like the fucking anchor man cast you right know?
1: exactly like
0: oh excuse me oh cablower my hands are on your boobs what is going to happen now um, and they they and it's often a prelude of worse things to come but I've actually seen people I've actually heard guys talk about it and I I see them talk about it on the internet where when women mistake their intentions instead of being apologetic and be like well maybe I need to stay out of this woman's way so she doesn't feel unsafe the rest of the night they fucking antagonize it it's like this attitude of like um well if you think I'm a bad guy well I'm gonna show you how bad a guy can be and Mm -hmm. I'm never I'm not goshly I'm obviously not gonna do anything but I'm gonna scare the fucking hell out of her and teach her a lesson like (laughs) that's psychotic that's literally psychotic so one weird trick for being more successful with women and I don't mean sexually or romantically, I mean just more successful in co inhabiting this earth that we live with with the women around us is to seriously give a thought in your daily life about how women move through public and private spaces and how your presence can make them feel either more or less secure. And then try to take options to make them feel more secure. If a woman ever wants to stop having a conversation or disengage, stop. If you find yourself walking behind a woman and you notice she maybe looks back over her shoulder, uh, hold up, pull out your phone, check Twitter, let her get a couple blocks ahead. Be late to that engagement. Make her feel safe and and, and comfortable. Um, Maybe just give lone women in public spaces a little bit space in general. Uh, Don't approach lone women. (laughs) Don't approach women that are occupying spaces where they can't easily leave, like when they're at their jobs, when they're waiting your table, when they're teaching classes, when they're attending conferences, where they're a speaker. I remember like a decade ago, there's this young atheist woman who recounted a tale of a man who waited until she left a public gathering at a skeptics conference. Uh, And it was like two o'clock in the morning at this time. She's at a bar. It was one of those after events. And she's leaving, go back to her room. And this guy followed her out, followed her onto the elevator, waited for the doors to close and then asked her out for a coffee date. And she did this news post and it wasn't like, a hey, this guy fucking tried to rape me or this guy's sexually assault. She's just kind of like, hey guys, you know, now that we're all kind of inhabiting these spaces together, this is maybe something you don't do to make women feel unsafe. And people lost their shit about it. She was so, she's still vilified in some circles to this day. Like, oh, what, you can't just ask for coffee anymore? You can't ask women out for a coffee date? And I'm like, no, you can't. You really can't ask a single woman speaker attending an event out of out for coffee at two o'clock in the morning at an elevator when you're alone with her. You honestly can't ask her out for coffee if like any one of those conditions is true. You just don't. You just don't. It's a it's 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 a weird trick for for <laughs> understanding and get along with the the female species a little bit better. And that's what I want to talk about. All right. What do you got for us?
1: Well, I want to read you something. And I want you to tell me if this sounds a little rapey, because I had some f- mixed feelings about it. And so the setup a little here is rape-ish, rapeish. Okay. Uh, The setup here is that there is this is like the 1930s. There is a female hotel owner who is very anti-Semitic, and there's a young she hates Jews, eh? She hates Jews. And uh, there's a young Jewish boy who, uh, you know, is passing, as very waspy, working as a bellboy over the summer at this ho- uh, hotel resort, whatever.
0: Got that white cloaking advice to engage, you <laughs> see? Uh,
1: so there's an attraction growing between these two over the summer. And uh, I also just want to say that this story is also very much like I roll. Yeah, that happened. And I bet everyone applauded at the end, too. Uh huh. But it goes like this uh she was talking about coming back the next summer i thought of all the things she had said this summer hitler is right the jews should all be destroyed or no jew will ever set foot in this hotel after a few drinks we were in bed together strange how hate can be such an aphrodisiac
0: oh my hate already grew, getting rapish
1: yeah my hate grew into a tremendous erection and i thrust it inside of her she was wet and ready extremely passionate moans and groaned I made certain that over all of these sounds, she could hear me very clearly when I said into her ear, that is a circumcised Jewish cock inside of you. Do you think you'll get contaminated? Maybe even die? I am a Jew. You are being fucked by a Jew. I exploded inside of her. She said nothing, just breathed heavily and lay there as I left the room.
0: Hmm. In- inglorious, rapish uh, <sighs> bastards. Um, What do you think?
1: It feels rapey it definitely yeah. feels rapey considering the fact that i don't think those events went kind of that way you know this was your last day of the last day of summer right so it's a power
0: she they were been drinking but she was there in the room and she was wet and ready and you know like I uh.
1: right and it's something that she clearly i mean right or wrong she didn't want to have sex with a jewish person and you're using this against her it's uh, a. Yeah. It's obviously hate sex in your own words.
0: yeah, I'm trying to think of like how you I mean just feel like it it's it would be I mean it's it's a clear I mean aha, I don't know because like it's it's one of those things where it's like an inglorious bastard situation where it's like, well, does being a Nazi excuse like this terrible behavior because if you put the foot shoe on the other foot, like uh you know a German boy uh, on vacation. Uh, seducing a Jewish woman and you know as as he's uh, um, in the moment of climax you know whispering hope you enjoy my Aryan seed inside your subhuman womb like it's clearly it's something
1: that you can say in that moment in that moment to change the consent completely yes now as it's happening though you know that person's changing their mind about the sex yeah for that reason yeah Feels rapey to me. Anyway, this is an excerpt from The Ragman's Son, one of Kirk Douglas's many biographies.
0: Kirk Douglas. In his uh, own
1: words. Is,
0: died, died last week at the time you're hearing this at the age of 103. Yeah. Venerable star of the silver screen. Uh, star of Hollywood's golden age. Star of Spartacus. Yeah,
1: best known for starring as Spartacus. And he almost definitely raped Natalie Wood.
0: Yes, I was, that was the, I didn't, I honestly, I was, I did not know about the, uh, the, the Jewish hate sex, but I did read an article, um, about the Natalie Wood stuff and it's pretty harrowing.
1: Yeah. It's seemed to be very violent. She sought medical treatment and she was 16 at the time. She was 16. She went for, (laughs) this is going to sound familiar. Mm -hmm. She went to a hotel to meet for an audition and she was raped at that time. Uh, she was discouraged from reporting it because she had a career to sure. attend to.
0: Cassidia career, sweetheart. Yeah.
1: And, you know, this is but according Douglas to- Douglas is a
0: Hollywood royalty, see? hmm
1: So it's just that story from his biography and the, the Natalie Wood thing makes it seem like he's definitely got a pattern. And Kirk Douglas also created and donated to great many charitable organizations over the years he gave millions of dollars and spent most of his life doing philanthropic work Mm -hmm. uh a couple or a week before kirk douglas died kobe bryant died Mm -hmm. at 41 Mm -hmm. tragically with his 13 year old daughter in the helicopter Mm -hmm. and seven other people died as well kobe bryant was also accused of raping a 19 year old woman in colorado at a hotel in 2003 um and i've done a lot more research than i think anyone should need to but i also definitely believe he raped this woman mm-hmm. i mean i mean his public <clears throat> statements
0: and the the civil uh, his statement the, the the settlement of the criminal charges i mean he's very careful he's like i don't want to admit any fault for this but it, it did seem like well, here
1: was his statement I also want to make it clear that I do not question the motives of this young woman. No money has been paid to this woman. She has agreed that this statement will not be used against me in the civil case. Although I truly believe this encounter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view this incident the same way I did. Yeah. After months of re- reviewing Discovery, listening to her attorney, and even her testimony in person, I now understand how she feels that she did not consent to this encounter. Mm-hmm. Non-consensual sex is rape. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yes. <clears throat>
1: uh, Kobe Bryant also gave a great deal of money and time and resources to charitable organizations that mostly centered around children and families and by all accounts was a wonderful father. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say that I don't agree that the deaths of these men are a good time to harass the family or the victims or take your opportunity to platform against reminding everyone that these things happened. Mm -hmm. It's just not a great time because the only people you hurt now are the victims and the families and even yourselves. I'm not saying that these people should be honored in any way because they did some, they did some bad things, but they also did a lot of good things. Uh, I think a valuable way to direct that energy would be into current living victims and perpetrators, um, holding abusers accountable for even the slightest acts of abuse. And deciding for yourself what justice actually looks like. Because it's not going to come in the form of a single tweet. Yeah. And I think we should believe women and support them in any way that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, let the affected people grieve properly and not the way that you think they should. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the court of public opinion <laughs> can, be a, uh, can be a really powerful means to reverse the power imbalance against, you know, like celebrities and... Uh, elite wealthy people that you really can't touch any other way uh Uh, but a lot more often i feel like people are creating this kind of this kind of shadow oppressor by using that kind of mob mentality in the wrong way like a school of fish that come together to form you know this shape
0: right
1: and you know i I go- even going back to two thousand and three and thinking about the way that the people treated the woman who accused Kobe Bryant, the way that Natalie Wood was encouraged to stay quiet and the way she was ultimately treated, mm-hmm. depending on what you want to believe, and even Monica Lewinsky during Bill Clinton's impeachment it's it just has me thinking a lot lately of how I want to what side of history I want to be on mm-hmm. when I think back on things like this fifteen years from now.
0: Right. Yeah, there's a lot of because there's something else came out in this. This I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a lot of and there's increasing amount of evidence suggests that Amber Heard is liar liar pants on fire about the nature of her relationship with Johnny Depp. Uh, in fact, that she was. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm never going to say that Johnny Depp is completely innocent because there's almost always two sides to the story. But there's a lot of recordings come out to intimate that. She was a violent person that she liked to interface with that way that she kind of thought, you know, that there's a recording of her saying that Johnny Depp's a pussy for not fighting back. Um, and I think there's this 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 tension between, you know, uh, women are angels. Women are absolutely going to from time to time use, uh, you know, the, the, the framework of a heinous crime to try to bring someone down a notch or to get revenge, just like you know, some women murder their children. You know, some some women, uh, you know, there's documented cases of nurses in hospitals killing multiple people with drugs because they just get off on it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, fucked up and scary, but there's a certain percentage of the population that's going to do bad things. It's also inarguable that there is many, many men who rape women to get away scot-free because the woman herself doesn't know how she feels about the situation, uh, because she might blame herself for putting herself in a situation where she got raped, where... Um, she might not feel comfortable going to the authorities and thinking there is going to be justice um, because there weren't enough rape kits to go around to actually do the genetic testing uh, because she has a reputation of being sexually promiscuous and you can't rape a woman like that. Um, so it's like the, it's, it's it's about how do you balance that? Like, I feel like that a lot of times when men get up in arms and talk about, um, you know, well, if you believe all women and you're going to have men being wrongfully accused. Yes, you're right. You're right if you don't believe all women then you're gonna have a whole bunch of women raped with no repercussions um and 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 the other thing is like what do you do because i do think and i've I've maintained this for and i uh, for many years and i haven't heard anybody like that's old enough to to override me disagree with me i think uh how we view rape and sexual consent has changed in my lifetime mm-hmm. like how it was popular Conceived like you know, uh, uh, like like I use this Groundhog's Day example. You could easily take that Phil and um, uh, Andy McDowell scene and overlay "Baby, it's cold outside" on it. It's even appropriately for the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, "Baby, it's cold outside" is a sweet romantic anthem. But you know, Phil is is being a boorish, uh, you know, uh, the the sex pest at the very at the very least. Um, if you're a man who was on the wrong side of that under cultural understanding where it's like, you know, I thought I was entitled to this, or I thought that this no meant the yes, or I was just talking her into it. And you come to the realization that you've hurt women or you've hurt a woman, what do you do? And what do we do with those people as society, as a society? Because like, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of criminal justice reform that like, you know, a person shouldn't ever be locked away for life under various under very small circumstances like you know if you look at the success that like nordic countries have with smaller punishments and rehabilitation what do you do what do you do with men who have raped and abused women Mm -hmm. um what do you do with women who have lied about the abuse and the rape that they've uh, claimed to experience um there's got to be some kind of like truth and reconciliation where we come together like you said it's like okay regardless what's happened in the past these are the rules now going forward and it's very important for us to act on these things seriously now so we don't have Natalie you know we don't hear about Natalie Woods coming forth in 2060 talking about being raped by contemporaries today we don't hear about Bill Cosby's in 2060 raping a bunch of women after he drugs them it's like that we have to figure that stuff out now um and I have no idea how because you're because you're right. What what I see what you're saying about the like the, sh- the, the school of fish or the mm-hmm. shark mentality. I don't feel like that changes people's minds.
1: Yeah. I don't feel like it's up to us as a large group, the entire world to judge each one of these cases ourselves. Right. I think that it would make it easier if the thing happens to let these things be resolved the way they should. I mean, make it a safe place for women to come forward, which it seems like every day we're moving closer to Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I mean, this, we can't hound these people. Well, I mean,
0: you can't, but what good is like, especially if you're talking about a person who hasn't been paying attention and is upset that people are dragging Kobe Bryant down? Like, does it help to have a thousand people show up in their Twitter feed screaming at them for being a rape apologist or supporting rape culture when they don't even know? They don't understand those words the way you understand them, but on the other hand, it's not also not cool to let people with these bad opinions go out without any kind of repercussion at all. Right? And i i don't I don't know. Society is like a pendulum. Sometimes it's like you know, it's like a lot of the dudes that are saying like, "Well, what happens in a world where you believe all women and everyone you know everyone's careers are being ended with a rape accusation?" not all women are that kind of criminal. That's a special kind of fucked up pervert. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an evil, toxic person. And and unless you believe that all women are like that, then, you know, you shouldn't have feared that any more than you fear a serial killer coming and and murdering you or a drunk driver hitting you. Like, are you paralyzed by fear at those things happening? Mm -hmm. Um, A doctor, uh, you know, getting, taking drugs before he operates on you and killing you that way. Like, is that a, something that you obsess over? Because if not, But, you know, unfortunately, we have a lot of statistics where there is a large percentage of women that get sexually abused and sexually assaulted. There's a lot of women Mm -hmm. um, that we don't talk about. Uh, So it's like there is a reason why we might have disproportionate concern about this thing where we don't worry about the others. Um, And that's always something to, to pay attention to because. It's all about. You know, making real progress and getting past the, the the screaming and slogans at you, each other is going to require genuine empathy mm-hmm. and the ability to look at things from other people's perspectives. Um, because yeah. otherwise, you know, it's it's just going to be um, you're continually going to be shouting at each other. It's going to be a, a numbers game, um, and you're always going to have a, a, a side feeling aggrieved and a side feeling like they were railroaded. And that doesn't seem like a healthy way for society to function.
1: Yeah, and I think. Anita Sarkeesian said it best on Twitter. She said it's okay to feel complicated and messy feelings about the tragic death of a legendary beloved basketball player or movie legend who was also a rapist.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay. It's okay, and it's also okay to not opine on celebrity deaths. Period. Yeah. It's no no no, no nothing wrong with just, you know, uh not deifying them not vilifying them just letting them uh let, letting them uh, pass on and uh redoubling your efforts to uh make now i mean it's going to be a real shit show like if they want to do some big acknowledgement of him at the academy award which is
1: probably going to happen probably gonna happen because kobe bryant was an kobe bryant was also an oscar winner
0: Oh really? Yeah, for an animated
1: short movie. And Kirk Douglas was recently honored at the Golden Globes.
0: Right. So it's like that's the stuff that like I think sticks in people's craw. The fact that like maybe we don't need to but also like like Hollywood, you know, they have a real that's one of the reasons like conservatives don't give a fuck about what Hollywood thinks is because they want to sit and talk about, you know, the men that they want to tear down, but like Roman Polanski you know it's a lot of liberal stalwarts both male and female that would stump to this day for that man sure who raped a 13 year old yeah and got away got convicted in a court of law not public opinion and then fled from justice mm-hmm. so like it's it's uh that's that uh, i i think that's a period that's a that's a that's a part of our society we could easily root the hypo- hypocrisy out of and that segment of society needs to do that in yeah. a hurry because it's a bad look
1: right it's just one of many problems with the Academy of Motion Pictures, <laughs> Arts, and Sciences. <laughs> sure, sure. That's that's all I've got on that subject.
0: Should we get into our advice segment? Okay, if you want to send us feedback uh, or request for advice, it's really easy to do so. Send us an email to owt at uh, First, we had a little discussion about Cardi B and her drugging and robbing men. And uh, it generated a lot of feedback, probably more feedback... Definitely more feedback than any single thing uh, we've done at SwizzBold so far. Uh, I got messages on Twitter. I got messages through Reddit. I got messages on the Reddit subreddit. Uh, and I got several emails. Um, some of them are more or less kind of bad faith. Uh, I want to try to uh, c- take a composite of the objections that we got um, and and try to, try to break these down. So... Uh, we got a lot of objections to her point. And the, the only point I really wanted to make about Cardi B, I had to explain the situation, uh, but the one that I wanted to get away uh, is that the outrage over her, quote unquote, getting away with something with allegedly drugging and robbing men is way out of proportion to similar situations in the world of hip hop and in the world of pop culture, period. And in my opinion, the likely culprit is men's fear and unfamiliarity with feminine power and the toxic expressions thereof where they don't bat an eye about the way men express their masculine power, uh, even in toxic ways, like, for example, beating the shit out of women or drugging and raping them. Uh, so we got a lot of criticism, and I'm going to pull out um, the arguments that I saw and kind of address them one by one, and then we'll just move on to, to giving some good advice. Um, one person said, you compare what she confessed to to other rappers who only rap about violence or rock singers who sing about violence. There's a huge difference. Um, now, this came from a guy who claimed he was so shocked and disappointed that he listened to my quote unquote monologue three different times. I re- I went back and re-listened to the whole thing, too, because I like to get things right. I don't like to turn people off with my message. Uh, I don't like giving people off ramps on my opinion where it's like, oh, there's the one thing that Aaron said, and I just don't have to listen to another word he says. But I was very clear about drawing this line. I specifically mentioned examples like Rick Ross, Ross, uh, who are full of shit about the weight they moved and the black coffins they filled uh, versus people who have actual criminal records, documented cases of robbing, dealing drugs and murdering people. It's a matter of public record. There's a difference between what you sing about. There's a difference about what you brag about in interviews. And there's a difference between what you actually did. I made that distinction. I, I don't know how you guys missed it. Um, another point is comparing what she confessed to doing to Chris Brown, Dr. Dre, and others is ludicrous. And I'm like, why? They, they, this statement was made, but there was no, no supporting argument to it. Um, and I just got to ask you, would you rather be drugged and robbed or have the shit beaten out of you and then thrown through a plate glass window, like in the case of Dr. Dre, or drugged and raped, like in the case of Bill Cosby? For that matter, would you, if you had a choice in the matter, would you rather be robbed at gun or knife point or spiked drink point? Because me, I'm not really excited to line up. It's like, it's like you know, some of these gun um, forums I used to be a member of, they're always debated. Like, well, if you had to get shot by a 22 round or a 45, which would? I'd be like, I don't really want to get shot. But I guess I'd pick the 22. I'm not excited to pick from either of these options. But I got to confess, if I had to choose... Maybe at gunpoint, I would choose getting drugged because (laughs) I can be killed in the process of any of these crimes, right? But I got the choice between potentially being stabbed or shot to death or going to sleep and not waking up. That's an easy choice for me. Uh, Maybe you'd actually weigh those pros and cons and would rather have a gun pointed at you. And that's fine. But let's not pretend that this that that I excused Cardi B's crime, number one, or that the manner in which Cardi B claims she relieved these men of their property is uniquely heinous. I mean, maybe you can make the argument that drugging a person is a little bit worse uh, because it actually violates their bodily autonomy. You know, you're actually drugging them without their consent um, while being held up at gunpoint only theoretically threatens to harm your bodily integrity. And autonomy. But again, we're splitting pretty fine hairs to explain why one woman's getting multiple Reddit threads and Twitter campaigns on a daily basis to vilify her. And these other instances get, in many cases, crickets. Um, As far as people not getting the distinction between rape and robbery and property crime, I really hope they didn't have to explain this, but but rape is being worse than being is 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 worse than being robbed. Is there a person out there right now listening that would rather be raped than robbed? regardless of what method of coercion is is used here um also directly drawing an equivalence between what bill cosby and r kelly have done things that went on for decades that they've done uh from a place of power to cardi b um where the only evidence of the crime she committed is like a facebook live video she did three years ago is silly for multiple reasons There's dozens of male rappers and celebrities that brag about physical violence and committing serious crimes, both in and out of their art. Some of them actually have done it. Many actually haven't are playing a part. But there's zero evidence that this isn't what Cardi B's doing. There's zero evidence. There's like, what, 60 women that have come forth and credibly accused Bill Cosby. Uh, There's dozens of underage women who've come forth and, and been victims of R. Kelly. There's a tape of him pissing on a 14 year old. I think there's actually I was just reading and researching this week's rebuttal. I think there's now two videos of him doing this. Um, there's photos of what Chris Brown did to Rihanna. So the, in like the court of public opinion, the evidence of one is much stronger than evidence of the other. Again, if what Cardi B did is real legit, it's it's a crime and I'm not condoning it. But there is a difference. Second, Cardi B claims that she did this to elevate herself out of poverty when she was a teenager. Bill Cosby, Chris Brown, R. Kelly use already attained power as grown ass men to abuse women. This does not excuse Cardi B's crime if she's committed it, but it's what we call a mitigating factor, uh, it doesn't excuse her from committing the crime, but it does serve to mitigate it. Unless you want to treat like Valjean uh, or Jean Valjean stealing bread in Les Miserables as like the same as a jewel thief, right? And I'm not saying what Cardi B is, is like maybe relatively noble as stealing bread to feed your family. But Christ, if you're not going to crucify Jay-Z for cooking and slinging rock as a young man coming up into projects, which inarguably harmed more people than drugging and robbing singular men... Then I don't see how you can crucify Cardi B. Um, I just I just don't. And also, if Jay Z as a billionaire now still slinging rock, still sticking up people, still snatching chains, that's a much bigger problem. Like if Cardi B, I found out she was drugging and raping men today as a millionaire celebrity, that would be a much more heinous crime than as a starving potential teenager. Um, and I, I guess I guess if you refuse if you can't see these kind of nuances and refuse to learn how to view them from different perspectives in order to examine the real double standards in society and the real injustices and petty cruelties we inflict on each other, uh, you know, and you want to call it as like performative wokeness. I just, I don't feel like this is the podcast for you, man. Like we're trying to learn here. Uh, we're trying to grow. We're trying to cover, uncover some truths about life and this kind of criticism i think i understand where it comes i understand where it's knee-jerk and reflexive but that's some stuff you guys got to work on honestly you gotta you gotta work on because a lot of guys loudly howling for cardi b's head um and would gladly would would gladly split the finest of hairs to excuse like president trump's public behavior and, and private comments and on Reddit, it's real easy to look through guys' post histories and comment histories, and you can see exactly the type of guys they are. And maybe this doesn't apply to the people that sent us in feedback. And I certainly, there were some people that were more respectful. There certainly people that were just asking questions in good faith. But, you know, there is a lot of bad people acting in bad faith asking these same questions. And and I just want to leave it at, at that. So, uh, there you go. So,
1: again, we believe that crime is crime. Yes. And crime is bad.
0: Yes. I think Just robbing so we're a person not mincing is bad, words here. but like if you want to make a serious argument that robbing someone at spiked drink point is worse than knife or gunpoint, I think you got a uphill battle to make that case. And you know, I think I think we've uh, we've we've explained this so. The only the, the one the one point that I thought was pretty valid was someone saying, well, just because there's not male victims that come forward, it doesn't mean anything. Because one thing we've learned from me, too, is that victims have a hard time coming forward. And mm-hmm. that actually goes double for men. Right. Because men have many, many more disincentives to admit to being sexually, emotionally and physically abused by especially other women, but even other men than than women do. Right. So that absolutely is a huge problem.
1: Right. I agree. My my point there was the lack of evidence as opposed to the sure. overwhelming elv- evidence for all the other men. But the even then, it doesn't exist.
0: But even then, a lot of the social pressures keeping men, those disincentives come from other men. Like, mm-hmm. how many times have you seen, uh, you know, when a 14-year-old gets raped by their English teacher? Oh, man. High what a five, lucky. bro. I saw how hot she was on that one news post. Way to go, bro. Uh, or if you find out a girlfriend hits you, how much is that? Is played for comedy. How mm-hmm. much people like, you know, fuck, just man up. You know, quit, quit and quit being a pussy. Uh, in contrast, feminism actually has satisfying answers to explain why these double standards exist in society. Mm-hmm. But I feel like everybody's too busy tearing down the <laughs> the pink-haired straw man screaming woman's idea of feminism than to actually, you know, engage with those ideas ideas and listen to it. So, Agreed. Uh, but I felt like the other thing is like nobody really wanted to engage in the thing that I actually wanted to talk about, which I've spent a lot of time defending, which is there a lot of the center of this outrage i feel comes from the fear and discomfort that we have towards feminine power and the ways uh those express themselves in feminine power fantasies and especially toxic expressions of feminine power where we don't have a problem with the male equivalent and i think this point's unassailable because i i can't think of many examples of like female toxic behavior being glorified outside of like maybe comedies um but I can think of several times where it's explicitly painted as villainous with sympathetic men being the victims uh basic instinct fatal attraction but if you look at toxic expressions of masculine power being glorified holy shit they're all over the place godfather scarface goodfellas fight club breaking bad uh and I like these shows and I see I I see why the fantasy is attractive and I understand why people get wrapped up and root for it but like I can also see why women get a visceral thrill out of the idea of drugging and taking advantage of stupid, ignorant men, too. So there you go.
1: We've got some inquiries for advice if you'd like to hear from the listeners. I would. All right. Well, our first one is from Aspiring Shrink. Who writes in and says, I am a graduate student in the latter half of my studies to get a PhD in clinical psychology. A few of the conversations you've had on air have struck me, and I thought you might enjoy a little evidence-based validation. I love validation anyway it counts.
0: Evidence-based whew.
1: It's the best. It's tasty. First, the therapeutic alliance, as famously theorized by Borden, of course. Of course. <laughs> has three components task, goals, and bond. In essence, the ingredients for a successful and functional relationship between you and your therapist include broad agreement on your goals, broad agreement on the tasks needed to move forwards or forward towards these goals, and a warm and positive emotional bond. It makes sense then that when your therapist, Aaron, starts making comparisons to processing your experiences like his own experience with addiction, that your goals and tasks might not really line up. Similarly, having a gender-matched therapist or a therapist with a similar worldview, unlike very religious therapists you've mentioned, might make that bond develop more naturally. Second.
0: That's that's sweet, sweet validation. (laughs) Love it.
1: There's two more validations coming. Oh, boy. Second, evidence suggests that the therapeutic alliance often develops fast. I don't remember the exact average session at which it typically becomes stable, but I believe it was a second or third on average. Therefore, I think the advice Aaron gave to find someone new if things aren't working out after three or five sessions is probably sound. This is especially true because finally, the quality of your therapeutic alliance is thought to be the most important predictor of therapy outcomes, such as reduction in symptoms, reaching goals, etc. It is even more important than the type of therapy you are receiving. Therapeutic Alliance itself has a direct effect on helping you heal psychologically, but it also has an indirect effect, helping you reach therapy outcomes by making other aspects of therapy easier, maintaining attendance, complying with work your therapist has you do outside of the session, improving motivation, etc.
0: Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Aspiring shrink. It's nice to get that validation, and like that's, that's something I've always had like a gut feeling about. It's like, well, I've been to a lot of different therapists, and it seemed like you, there's always an aha moment or a light bulb, or like I felt like a discuss, you know, something profound was said in that that mm-hmm. period of time, and um, you know, that I think that makes me feel better about making that recommendation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you're not feeling that three to five visits, then it's probably not going to come because it happens fast. <laughs> uh, next email is i'm dreaming of a solid friendship (laughs) just like those ones okay why am i singing this We'll, we'll find out uh this person moved to virginia from pennsylvania about 15 years ago they left all their friends uh that i grew up with there i left because i was a borderline alcoholic and just sitting in bars every night my brother offered me to stay with him and his family in Virginia to see if I could improve. And I did. I started attending church regularly, got into doing theater there, met my now wife of 13 years. We have a nine-year-old son and made some great friends until about 10 years ago, my wife and I left that church, which is a Church of God Pentecostal. Oof. That's that's a churchzilla. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, memorable many memorable encounters like anytime I would uh, knock on the door and there's a church of God or Pentecostal opening it's like you could hear the final boss music playing <laughs> like oh boy we're going to get the bibles out we're going to have an hour-long discussion on this 90 degree day out, out on your front porch uh But it's a a very hard decision for us. I worked there for a few years as a facility manager, and I got to see how things really run behind the pulpit and found it difficult to sit there on Sundays without stewing about things. Can relate. Since we left, most of those there stopped talking to us and even unfriend us on Facebook. Mm. Very relatable. However, we found a new church, and I like it very much. It's not too radical. It's very focused on helping the community, which, in my opinion, is what the church should be doing. We've been helping out and volunteering wherever we can, from helping with Sunday production and greeters, even helped from a firewood ministry to deliver to elderly, underprivileged people in the community. I've also been a major volunteer at a local theater playhouse. I've done things from design to building sets, stage manage, lights, sound, etc.
1: I've done that before. Sounds super fun. It's a great way to to meet new friends and build a community outside of church. That's another good way.
0: For work, I drive 1,000 miles a day for my solo business, so I don't really have coworkers. That's a lot of mileage. Yeah. Also, my brother, who honestly I'm not really that close with, has since moved to Arizona. Ever since I came here, I've had yet to find that true good friend. Someone to confide in. Someone to go out and have a beer with. I've tried. Usually no one has the time, and it this past summer was very difficult for me. I lost mm-hmm. both my parents in the span of 10 weeks. Ouch. Sure, I got a few cards, and my pastor texted me condolences, but that was about it. You can bet I'd get a phone call to help fix something either at the theater or the church, though. I stepped down from volunteering at church, but I threw myself into building the Christmas theater production of White Christmas. Cool. To be honest, it was—and that's where the <laughs> dreaming came from—it was a great escape from what I was dealing with. What more can I do to find solid friendships? Am I doing something wrong? I cannot do more to be around people and meet new people. Also, I know I probably need a therapist. I've been looking for one for the past month, but it's so hard. I've reached out to a few and they don't have time or others want me to pay just to schedule an appointment, but I don't know who it's with. I guess I'm asking, how do you find a therapist or do you just uh, let one get picked out for you and see if it works? Whew. Um, you've been through a lot and that it, it, it's got to be difficult, especially if you feel like you don't have any friends or confidants and you have a big event like a, your your parents dying uh, right close to one another. That That's very tough. And I can relate to that, too, because I've I've talked about this a lot over in Bald Move. But since I've. Moved to Cincinnati, I've done a very bad job about putting myself out there to make new friendships, and I haven't done as good a job at rekindling those, or keeping those friendships that I had in other states kind of kindled properly. Um, I've made some progress. I want to talk about that. I don't think we have time this week, but I've actually had some su- success on that that front since the, the last podcast that I want to talk about. Um, but as far as making new friends, it sounds like you're doing everything right putting yourself out there. Um I had a similar problem when I had made a big change in my life and I was putting myself out there and going to meet up groups and trying to find new friends because I lost my entire friend circle when I left my church and I was going through therapy at the time and I appreciated that. I was putting out vibes in the world that I wasn't af- aware of. I was presenting a very arch, kind of perfectionist, uh, not approachable uh, vibe because in my family and in the religion, it's very important to put this facade of like perfection and cool. Like everything's always good in, in your life. And, you know, and I'm not saying this is I'm just saying that this is a problem I had that was keeping people from um uh, my therapist described as being a teflon man that like everything every everything's no worries no troubles you're a good guy but everything just kind of slides and that feels weird to people like most people have texture and things stick to them and they do get perturbed and they do get flapped and a lot of times i was feeling that but i was just forcing an external calm like instead of getting angry about something or expressing concern it was just you know no troubles no bubbles so it could be that you're putting some kind of energy like that. That's, and maybe it's not that same type of energy. Um, maybe there's a desperation. Maybe there is like an anxious energy that you're putting to that you're not aware of because of things going on and patterns you were taught. And, you know, I'm just seeing there's a lot of similarities in our, where we were raised and what church we, we kind of spent a lot of time. And and maybe that's something that you could explore in therapy because you're right. You are putting yourself out there, a lot um is uh, this theater is connected to the church though right
1: i don't think so just said the local community theater
0: okay because that's a he's like maybe if like you need to widen out more secularly to see if there's some other vibes you can find out there but yeah i i I, I, it seems like you're you're spending a lot of time uh meeting a lot of people so like what is is it is our you know and the other thing is like people are bemoaning this a lot like Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of like a joke in our generation that like our friendships suck. Like people break plans, people don't make plans, people don't keep in touch, and I think that's the ultimate culmination of this isolated social media, alienated society we've got. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to take a lot of brave people to be the ones that like maybe maybe you have to be the tent pole of your friendship. You're the one that makes things happen. You're the ones that put things together, and it sucks, but you know, we're we're going through a bad, bad spot in society. And a lot of people are feeling these same feelings. And if everybody's feeling and everybody's sitting at home thinking everybody else is the problem, everybody else is the asshole and everybody else is just exa- exhausted and worn out. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how you get over that hump.
1: The other thing you can do is try to get involved with the other local community theaters. Because when I was involved, we there was a larger like guild, probably, Uh, the people who would vote for like local awards for theater productions, things like that. Mm -hmm. So there's going to probably be a few in your area and you could go work on a production over there and get to know people who have similar interests and are still kind of in your area. That Mm -hmm. was a way that we met a lot of new people too. Um, As far as finding a therapist goes, it, you know, it's I definitely wouldn't go to any that try to get money from you before you've even met them or spoken to them or know who you're meeting with.
0: I think these are like clinics. Like you go to like a like a county run clinic and there's a whole bunch mm. of psychologists on staff and it's it's kind of like a and they're all overworked and it's you know, it's an induction thing.
1: Yeah. I what I would normally do, I mean, it depends on if you're looking for people who are under your insurance. You find people who are close by. And if you like to find the same gender, then you can narrow it down a little bit that way. Mm. And then you can work your way through that list and look the look up their reviews and their ratings. Maybe, yeah, call them and talk to them on the phone. And see if you get kind of a vibe that way too.
0: Yeah. And a lot of times like, you know, in America, it's about who's on your health insurance list. So like I, when I was looking for a therapist, um, I went and printed out all the ones and had the specialties and that, that, that were applicable to me. And I started cold calling them, um, uh, if if but there again I don't have a lot of I still have embedded myself with this community if I was in your position where you're dealing with a lot of people in church and uh and at, uh, outside of work uh surely in the last few years someone you you've heard has like gone to a family therapist or has had an issue that they've had gotten help with. Like, usually, you know, people are somewhat open about that or you hear through the grapevine. And I wonder if you couldn't, because that's the best way. Mm-hmm. Best way to find a good mechanic, a good dentist, a good doctor, personal recommendation from someone. So if you can find someone that will be open enough to be like, you, don't, you know, you don't want details like, hey, I heard that you we having some issues and, and you got some help with it. And it seems like it's really gone well for you. What, what could you how did you go about that? Because mm-hmm. uh, the other thing is like it's 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 also different state to state, county to county, city to city. Some of them have programs that others don't. It's it's a real shit show, which is why I'm very passionate about like some kind of universal health care that encompasses you know mental health, because it should like imagine if you were shot and bleeding in the street and you're like, Jesus Christ, who should I call? I better get out the phone book and see what the local police departments are looking like and what the ambulance response time. You just call 911 and you hope to God that everything's funded and everything works out, right? There needs to be something like that for mental health. Mm-hmm. And what we've got is not it. Uh, you know, suicide helplines and emergency rooms, they're, they're not, those are not great start points for receiving mental health. And, and we need to, it needs to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs to be easier. But it sucks right now. The the less money you've got and the less insurance you got, the more it sucks. But it's it's not easy. I didn't think for anybody, yeah. as I found out, I think if you as you found out, it's 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 not easy.
1: Yeah. So good luck with that. Um, moving on. Writes in and says, in September two thousand and eighteen, I ended a twenty year friendship with a man who had been like my brother for most of those twenty years. The reasons I had for ending it were strong. Only after having some time and space away from him did I realize how emotionally and mentally abusive the relationship was. It's been quite the mind fuck to realize that the person I am today was directly shaped by this abuse. So how the fuck do I move forward? I don't miss him and I'm much happier and healthier without him. Even the anger and hurt I was carrying for over all of this has been subsided at this point. But I still find myself thinking of him and wondering what's going on in his life. I'll go days without even a second thought of him, then bam, I wonder what he's up to. Adding to this is that I have a ridiculously small friend group that is spread all over the country. I'm a hardcore introvert who has social anxiety, so making new friends isn't easy. And I work a zillion hours a week, and I'm, I'm working on my doctorate, so there's not a lot of time for new friendship building activities. I have close friends who I love. They don't live close, but we see each other as often as we can but I feel like it's expected that I have a person who's geographically nearby who I'm close to. Is that just my past talking and setting up expectations for me? So it looks like there's a couple of problems here. One, moving forward from this friendship and two, the expectation of replacing that friendship. Hmm.
0: Well, maybe friendships. Because uh, like, honestly, when I'm listening to uh, you know, move on talk here, uh, it sounds very much like, you just might need more time. Like you're just barely a year outside of this. It was just a 20 year relationship. Probably, I don't know how old you are, but it's entirely likely uh, that you've spent more time with this person in your life than out. So you will find your thoughts drifting back to, you know, and the more intense and the longer the relationship, the longer it's going to take to get over that.
1: But good for you for getting out of that toxic situation. Yes.
0: You've taken the first step and you already see like how it's gotten better and better. And that, that that better trend is going to continue, and to the extent that you can fill your life with other people that give your life meaning and value, uh, you're you're going to it's going to hasten that process.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so I guess you need to ask yourself what exactly it is that you want. If you, I mean, it sounds like you're super busy, and that might be good for you if it's not a cause of stress, but it's a way to. Keep yourself happy by having your hands on a lot of different pies, then, then maybe don't add another layer of stress while you're getting over this person by feeling like you need more in your life.
0: Yeah. And a lot of times when you feel stuck, like, oh, God, I'm trapped because I'm working so hard and I don't have time to work out, or I don't have, you can feel like you're getting railroaded. And I always try to reframe those as conscious choices I'm making. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm too busy to do these things, I'm choosing to focus on my career at the expense of maybe working out or meeting new people Mm -hmm. because that's going to meet a long term goal I have. And when I'm done with this very stressful period, that should have a defined end then I'll work on you know being healthier and then you you got the trick is to live up to those commitments that you make Mm -hmm. to yourself but a lot of times you could be less anxious ridden about your life situation if you reframe this as not something you're stuck in but I am choosing to do this in lieu of this other thing and I can always choose to put this thing if it gets to be too much I can put this thing on hold and then you know try to concentrate on my friendships and relationships Mm -hmm. Um, but that that puts you in control which makes you feel a lot better
1: my personal mantra is uh, to say one hard thing at a time I think it's a lot of like if you're doing like New Year's resolutions which we talked about a few weeks ago for example if you want to say that I want to lose weight and I want to quit drinking and I want to quit smoking all at the same time it's just a lot of pressure to put on yourself Mm -hmm. if you i mean this is a hypothetical example but if you quit smoking and quit drinking at the same time that you're trying to lose weight you might gain a little bit of weight from the quitting smoking and drinking so now you're disappointing yourself in three big ways sure um maybe you could just do one hard thing at a time and it sounds like the hard thing that you're getting over right now is your friend and I'm I'm glad you seem to be in a better place and a better person for it now
0: and, and when you do get to that point where you want to start strengthening up those relationships um, it's very and, and I, I can relate to like believe it or not I'm a bit of an introvert myself and I have a lot of social anxiety like I seem like I'm very gregarious and outgoing on this podcast because I can I, you know everyone you know most of the people that's listening kind of like me and i have that expectation it's easy for me to be kind of like myself but like if i'm a room full of strangers i'm a lot more reserved um but uh i i would i would encourage you to not allow those factors the social anxiety and introvertedness to interfere with your ability to form relationships because if they are then it's a problem um almost no one is born with like that easy kind of glib way to make friends like people that are people persons they they usually work at it Mm -hmm. Um, and there's techniques that you can use um, uh, whether they're you know relationship tools personal affirmation exercises conscious confident strategies like the fake it till you make it approach pharmaceutical help with your social anxiety because there's a lot of great drugs that if that's all your problem is you know you there's a there's a pill you can take and they'll just squelch a lot of that um that you can overcome these but again maybe now's not the time to add all that onto the other things you know getting over this relationship and uh you know being being this very busy busy time in your life so uh, hopefully that'll help
1: yeah thanks for writing in
0: next comes the settler of catan <laughs> I'm a mostly happy family guy in my 30s. My wife and I have a pretty good life with a normal home and normal jobs, etc. We're super proud parents raising exceptional kids who are excelling in the classroom and out. My wife is a great person, a wonderful mother, and my best friend. We get along great and spend most of our time trying to make each other laugh. Furthermore, we love each other's families and our respective in-laws have all become friends with each other. Everything is pretty close to seemingly ideal except I've been carrying around a secret with me that I struggle with on a daily basis. I don't think I love my wife. Of course, I love her as my best friend and as my family, but not in a romantic sense. I never had those feelings for her, even though I know she's always had them for me. I go through all the motions. We say the words I love you to each other all the time. But when I say them, it feels false. I've asked myself, how did I get here? Well, we met in college and became good friends. But as an average-looking kind of short guy, I had very low self-esteem in the women department. I had just had it in my head that I was extremely disadvantaged, and a vast majority of women weren't attracted to me. We were nearing the end of her college career, and I was naively terrified of going out in the world alone and with significantly less options. Suddenly, she expresses her feelings for me, and my knee-jerk reaction is, Why not? She's great. And I convinced myself that she was what I wanted. In addition to this, I've had a previous relationship that ended the year before this one started. I was in love, capitals, with this person, and part of me thinks of her as the one who got away. Even though I was over this ex, I knew that the, what the feelings were and what I was now lacking. Obviously, I should have been honest from the start. She deserves someone who can reciprocate the same feelings she has toward me. But I become accustomed to things are good enough and continued to lie to myself and to her. I couldn't come up with a good reason to break her heart, and I just got in deeper and deeper, and eventually we progressed to where we are today. I know this makes me not such a great person, but on the other hand, without her, we wouldn't have had the children we both love more than anything. But if I ever confess, I'd be risking blowing up the rest of my otherwise happy life and shaking up my family's entire reality. Or... I can play my part and continue to lie, live this lie at her expense, go unfulfilled in love, but keep this happy and successful family unit going. Who, boy. What do you say to this one, Cecily?
1: I think that you have this one life that's guaranteed to you, and you owe yourself happiness. Mm-hmm. I think, Which he has a lot of. Which he has a lot of. And I... I think that you also owe your wife and best friend honesty, which is a commitment that you did make to her. And I think that there's a risk of, in the future, this happiness turning into resentment. If you continue to not love her and feel like you're faking it, it could be resentment towards her or, or towards the kids in subtle ways or it could turn into like some sort of self-hatred type of negative things or you could tell her all of this and you could find out she feels the same way and that you could have a a very positive mutual outcome where everyone stays friends those are things that are within the realm of possibility sure But you are currently living a lie to yourself and mm-hmm. to her. It's still a lie to her. Mm-hmm. What do you say?
0: Um, I think that like you really have to make an honest accounting of how important like sex and that physical intimacy that bond is to you. Um, And I can kind of relate because I feel like, you know, uh, I settled a bit. Uh, I got married. I was in a very small, uh, not not with the, <laughs> my current wife, but I got married when I was nineteen, going on twenty. And I was from a very small rural town, and I married within my very small conservative religion. And I, um, you know, they always taught that, like, well, you're supposed to get married outside the bloom of youth. And I was nineteen. I was full grown. I was way outside that. And like, you know, passion that real that passion is fleeting. But you know that 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 love that family bond is forever. So it didn't bother me much that, you know, my wife at the time wasn't like my, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't exactly get me set my heart on fire or whatever. Um, and I, and also I had a high school flame where it's, you know, cause I was a good Christian boy. It never got beyond like making out, but like, whew, the sound of her voice, the way she smelled, the way her skin felt like I knew what like that raw chemical attraction is. Um, so, one of the things, because when I was realizing, because I had a lot more problems with my marriage, you know, um, I had the religion difference, it was, a, you know, that was a thing that was growing bigger, um, that we were growing further apart, because I was going further away from religion, and she was intensifying her connection to it, I had this kind of feeling that maybe I'd settled, and maybe she probably did too, uh, mm-hmm. because again, she had the exact, she came from a small rural town in Ohio, from the same small kind of insular religion, Um, and a book that I found very good at helping me sort through these feelings is called too good to leave too bad to stay by a psychologist uh, by the name of Mira Christianbaum, And she's got a systematic way of kind of like helping you to evaluate the relationship and deciding, because the thing is like, before you go and have this conversation with your your wife, I think you need to be damn sure that you know what you want to do because, um, the only way you want to just just break this relationship down and blast it to bedrock is if you want to build it on an actual secure foundation, you know, if you're just going to leave at the end of it, like I, and there's good, she has great strategies for also how to healthily end these relationships, um, and what things to say and what things to focus on and what support you need. Um, but I'm not saying that that's something because like, you know, if this is like one issue and you've got a lot of things going like, You know, uh, but the thing is, is like, you know, how important is that physical side? And are you going to be eaten up by resentment? And, you know, you're going to start taking it out on your kids. The the marriage is going to start feeling colder from her perspective. It's not fair to her either. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not fair to you. It's not fair to her. So... This is a very, very tough question that, uh, I would say is way above our pay grade. And I have sympathy cause I, I've definitely feel a lot of the felt a lot of things that you're talking about and, and maybe this book can help you out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's, that's a, and I also, I wouldn't, I, the other thing is like, I, this whole makes you not such a great person. I don't believe that mm. you, uh, most rational people and you sound very rational, uh, they make the best choice they can with the information they had at the time and you had bad information you thought you were unlovable you thought you were undesirable you you thought that you would never be able to recapture that other feeling and you and then you out of well-meaning reasons you kept on but it's not you didn't do it because you're a bad person right. and that that guilt and shame is only going to make this worse so you did the best job you could now think very carefully after making so many decisions with very little thought and intention, going with the flow, be the captain of your life, man. Mm-hmm. F- fig- figure this stuff out and, and make a decisive decision regardless and commit to it um, because it is going to change your life for, for one way or another. You're going to either have to give something up or you're going to have to reinvest. And there's a cost on both of those things.
1: Right. Our next one is from, I only co-wrote this their name is Statue of Liberty because as we'll find out he's carrying something of a big torch (laughs) (laughs) I liked it I like it I'm embarrassed by it though Uh, a few years ago I did my grad internship at an agency and was paired up with a female instructor about four to five years older than me
0: every time someone says a woman is a female I always hear it in the Ferengi voice female (laughs) I was paired up with my female instructor just just a note (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh we became close in a work husband work wife situation and there was definitely chemistry but she was married at the time i feel like when people refer to themselves as work husbands and work wives there's always a element of chemistry there oh yeah uh fast forward to a year and a half ago i reached out to just catch up she told me pretty early on that she was in the final process of getting a divorce
0: well, hello there sailor <laughs>
1: This is the story starting to sound familiar. I'm interested in seeing if there's still something there, but there's some obstacles in the way. She lives about three hours away as I move since then and have, and she has a young child. So she has no plans of leaving anytime soon because of the father needing his custody time.
0: It's very considerate of
1: her. I just turned 30 and she is about 35. I'm lost because I can usually read the signals if someone's not interested, but we have kept in touch all this time with messaging here and there. Also, anytime I go visit, we usually plan something to hang out. In November, I invited her to a comedy show in her city and she accepted and we had dinner before the show. So I believe if she wasn't interested, she could easily just tell me no or say she has to be with her daughter, but she's never done any of that. Anytime we go out, I pay if I'm the one inviting her out. Not that this action means much, but I just think there would be a clear boundary of not letting me pay if we were strictly friends. She had been through ex-husband since the age of 20, and I just don't know if it's her being out of the dating game for so long, or obviously having other priorities like her daughter, but texting goes nowhere and it's very dry. Hmm. In person, we have no issues talking and spending hours chatting together. She has brought her daughter along for dinner sometimes, so I believe she feels comfortable with me around her. Hmm. Should I just be upfront and say if there's interest in pursuing something or calling quits? is the age gap that scares her the fact that I have no child and she figures I wouldn't want anything to do with her having one maybe her priorities since being divorced aren't dating right now hence she doesn't pursue more as far as I can tell since then she has not dated or currently dating as nothing has come up when hanging out figured you would be able to help uh, as Aaron you have a child and been dating or had been with your ex-wife for quite a while before being with Cecily
0: Well, Statue of Liberty, um, there's a lot to unpack here. Um,
1: Yeah, First of all, I think you should address whether or not this is something you want to pursue, because this is something of a long-distance relationship.
0: Yeah, which we're going to talk about in more detail at the next feedback. But yeah, there's that to consider. Um, I I, I honestly think, yeah, you need to tell her, um, or you're going to find yourself in what is colloquially known as the friend zone. Um, which I don't like that term because it's often used in a way of like, you know, I've spent all this time on this woman and she won't fuck me. Can you imagine where we don't ever think about our masculine friendships like that? Like I saw a funny tweet a couple weeks ago where it's like, man, my buddy and I, we play video games until all hours of the night. We talk about each other's problems. He's always complaining about his girlfriend, but he never wants to fuck me. (laughs) Never even thinks about fucking me. It's like, it's entire so because i think you need to tell her because there's there's one of two possibilities It's probably shades of gray in between but Mm -hmm. one is uh she's totally unaware of you as a romantic partner because she's been married for 15 years she got married young she's got this kid she's trying to get everything together and that's not a whole lot of time to recover from it doesn't sound like um what from from the timeline as i understand it um So she should just be like, hey, you're the buddy that she's playing Xbox Live with and you have a lot of things in common. There's a good laughs, but like, oh, my God, this guy wants to fuck me. What the that's possibility. You need to find that out. Or she's wondering, why the hell is this guy not making a move? Right. Because I see I can see like signs either way. And of course, it's from your perspective. So. Uh, but you do seem like you've, you're at least aware of the things that would give her pause on her side. Um, and and, she, and it,
1: Yeah, I mean, 15 years to be out of the dating game is a long time with this sure. advancing technology and the signals and things have changed.
0: Right. Um, but there's, you know, this is one of those weird double standards in society where women still, on average, not always, expect a man to be the one who takes the first step. Um, and God bless all those women out there blazing the trail and Sadie Hawking. The shit out of their love lives, but they are very much outliers. Uh, I think that'll get better and better as we live in this situation, or in this world where we make women feel comfortable moving mm-hmm. through it. Uh, so there's not so much put in, there's not so much uh, uh, pressure on it. But, but you- a lot of women expect you to make the first move.
1: Yeah, and you definitely don't want to see her get into another relationship and find yourself waiting for that one to end to Wondering. see if you could ever get your chance because you are definitely. Interested in her, so give it a chance. Like we said to the last person, you owe yourself happiness. Yes, and um, maybe this three-hour, three-hour distance between you is the kind of appropriate amount of space to start a new relationship. But uh, have she's a plan getting out of a to do because that's yeah. not.
0: I, I don't. I mean, we're going to talk about here next. But um, but yeah, tell her, see what happens. Decide before you do that what you want to do with the friendship afterwards, or maybe you got to let her make that decision because mm. this is going to. It's you know that's the risk of confessing feeling for someone is it changes how they view you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes positively. Like, oh, wow. As a romance. let's jump in bed. Uh, sometimes like, Oh, I just saw you as a friend. This kind of is weird and uncomfortable and you can navigate that. Sometimes not. I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but you, you need to, you need to be honest and uh, you need to tell her about this. Like yesterday when you find a good uh, opportunity and good luck with that statue of Liberty. Finally, our finally request for advice is from radar. Love. What's your thoughts on long distance relationships? I've been single for a while. And I've tried online dating. My anxiety makes it almost impossible to meet someone in person. Recently, I started. Uh, I met someone on Twitter because we have a common interest. We started talking and learning more things we have in common. I bit the bullet and drove the 15 hours a meter and we hit it off big in person. But 15 hours is so far. Any advice to help starting a new long distance relationship? Uh, how important is physical <laughs> intimacy to you because if it's at all important here's i and i've I've had some long distance relationships i dated someone in cincinnati and i was mm-hmm. from indianapolis and we did that for like nine months and got married at the end of it uh as uh, uh, that was my first relationship uh i had a after i got divorced i had a long distance relationship that high school flame that i carried a torch for she lived up oh, in you the, shot your shot. the north sub, suburb of Chicago. I took the shot. Uh, it was as good as I thought it would be. And then we just had a lot of different things in our life. Uh, she was kind of dedicated to her career. I was dedicated to my son and going to move further away to Cincinnati. And it just kind of didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But the things I consider about long distance relationships is one, what are the parameters? How often are you guys going to commit to be able to see each other and to make that effort? How much can you afford to do that? Because this shit ain't cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not paying for long distance anymore nowadays, but travel that that eats up a lot of time. Far. And um, are you going to do phone sex? Are you going to do private cam shows for each other? Uh, how much are you going to be able to talk on the phone? How much are you going to be expected to talk on the phone? Because one of the problems I had with uh, the Chicago relationship is like I was spending like three hours a night on the phone, hating it. Cause it's like, I'm fine with having long, those types of long conversations. Like when you have things to talk about, but every day you run pretty dry Yeah. and I don't like doing phone sex. I don't like doing that kind of stuff. So like that wasn't a replacement for intimacy. Um, And that, that constant time it took to maintain the long distance relationship pulled me away from my other friendships and my other hobbies and the passions I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, and then the second thing is what's the duration Because I think unless you are an asexual person, which is fine, and this maybe could be indefinite, but if you have put any kind of uh, primacy on physical intimacy, um, then you got it. There's a time limit on these things. They need to have an expiration date. Like, Mm -hmm. we're going to do this. And at the end of a year, um, one of us is going to take the plunge. And here are the things we're going to do to make that decision. Um, But even then, it's tough. It's tough.
1: Right. It's not something you can do forever. Yeah. I had a buddy that
0: his wife um, was uh, in the, the army and she got out and they thought they were done, but she was in that weird four year reserve period and she was in a very high demand specialty. She got called for two overseas deployments within like that four year gap where she was gone for 18 months and it was hard, but they knew it was going to be over. So they could always think it's like, okay, this isn't going to be permanent. It's, it's got the expiration date and she's going to make it back every couple months or so. And they made it work, but they're, they're tough. And, and you really got to think about those two things.
1: Yeah. And in this case, it could be you putting that time limit on there as something to try to work through your anxiety and making, you know, get your reps in, On this relationship, since you do really seem to hit it off, Mm -hmm. it's a good way to get more comfortable interacting with people, how to make yourself a better person for future relationships. Indeed. That is an option.
0: So hopefully that helped you. Uh, I hope that uh, someone got something out of the, the, someone the, got something. The, the, the gamut of things we talked about this week. <laughs> we had many w- weird tricks.
1: Many, many weird tricks. More weird
0: tricks than arguably a podcast can hold. <laughs> uh, but that's it for our show this week. We'll, of course, be back in two weeks for more weird tricks about mm-hmm. successful life and love and happiness and emotional health, you, physical health.
1: Yeah. If you have any uh, weird tricks that you want to hear about from us, <laughs> you can do so at OWT at swizbold.com
0: We also like that validation, the evidence-based validation. You got Love some of that for validation. us? Ooh.
1: And if there's any criticisms, make sure you think it through yeah. and uh, give us some workable ones. Yeah, maybe
0: give it four <laughs> listens to instead of three. <laughs> Uh, I do think on that evidence-based validation, I love hearing from the therapist and the the clinical psychologists and the students. um, But I do think that we have a problem in this country about access to mental health. Mm -hmm. So if any of you all have some weird tricks about how to navigate that system, um, you can clarify it to be uh, region-specific, state-specific, country-specific. Uh, but I think we all need all the help we can get so if like if if there's uh, some things that you've heard about like well here's the way to do it or here's the phone call or here's the you know Yelp for therapists uh, (laughs) that no one except for therapists know about if if there are those tricks uh, then let us know I mean it it could be that no it just sucks but it (laughs) seems like that's a recurring thing that people want to know is how to get this help. And in my experience, it's, it's, it's definitely worth it. It's not easy. And holy hell, is it hard if you're doing it from the depths of a depressive episode or you're dealing with some other kind of mental illness uh, or emotional illness or um, a problem. So we'd love to hear from you. (sighs) OWT at swissbold.com. Next week, I'll be back with a three right turns. Otherwise, we'll be back uh, in two weeks for the one weird trick. Follow us everywhere at SwizzBold.
1: Smash that subscribe button.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And finally, if you have appreciated any of these weird tricks that we've been sharing uh, and you'd like to support us monetarily, it's easy to do so. Go to patreon.com slash SwizzBold. There's lots of different levels and there's lots of different uh, uh, things you get back for your supports. I now I'd like to thank by name two of our Fred-level patrons, Angelo Marano and Kira Gruschow. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Your support is invaluable to us, and we appreciate you supporting our SwizzBold experience here.
1: Thank you. We'll
0: be back in two weeks. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Have a great week.